T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. This is WEEI Late Night with Brian Barrett on WEEI. All right, welcome in. Been doing a lot of Celtics the past couple of times I've been on. Obviously, a lot of Red Sox. I do want to start with the Patriots tonight, but the Red Sox, of course, on the table all night long as we are now a week away from opening day. At Yankee Stadium. I cannot wait. I do have a big take that I will reveal about a certain member of the Red Sox coming up tonight at some point. I'm not going to promise you a time, but I have a big take about somebody on this team. I'll get to that in a little bit. But I do want to start with the Patriots because I haven't really had a chance to react to a lot of the stuff going on with Robert Kraft. And I'm wondering from you, is the owner starting to annoy you? Because he's annoying me. 617-779-7937 is the number. 617-779-7937. We're with you all the way up until midnight. Is Robert Kraft starting to annoy you? Because earlier on in the week, he goes public with his comments where I, quite frankly, believe he threw Bill under the bus multiple times. Remember, he said, I look forward to hopefully having a great draft this year. It's the only way you can build your team for long-term and consistently that you have a chance at winning is having a good draft. He also wanted to make sure that he appealed to the fan base. I'm a Patriot fan big time first. I think we had a great draft last year. We made up for what happened in the previous four years or so. So Robert Kraft continually is going out of his way to throw Bill Belichick under the bus. And then today he's talking with Jeff Howard, the athletic, and he says this year is going to be very telling about math. To come into something as new as this, as established, I think he got beat up pretty bad. And he kept coming back, and he really did some good stuff. Just the way he handles himself, he took some real beatings, and he hopped up. He has developed a good relationship with a cadre of receivers. Good word. I've never heard somebody use that describing receivers before, but Robert Kraft did. I'm very happy with what I've seen. But this is a big year, the second year. Part of it, in fairness, is the chemistry of the people around him. I hope that some of the free agents who we brought in who didn't perform as high as we would have liked last year will produce this year because they've adjusted to the system and we're making changes to take advantage of what they do best. We have a lot of talent that hasn't been tapped into yet, in my opinion. So that's got to be John o. Smith and Nelson Aguilar that he's talking about. But just if you take all the comments that Robert Kraft made this week, And you sort of put it all together because I'll get into the comments in a little bit that I just revealed about what he means in terms of they're going to get more to the talent that's here with the system. But here's part of the issue that I take with Robert Kraft. 
it feels like what he is doing, unintentionally, intentionally, I say it's intentionally, he's going out of his way to undercut the head coach of the team, to essentially take a step back and throw all the blame towards Bill Belichick in terms of why are you identifying that the head coach of the team, the general manager of the team, the guy that's in charge of everything, has had bad drafts. It's one thing for me to talk about it. It's one thing for Mutt to talk about it. It's one thing for anybody on this station to talk about Bill Belichick having bad drafts. But why is the owner coming out and saying that? I do feel like this is all a perception thing with Robert Kraft. And the thing that aggravates me about Kraft, you're in charge of the operation. So when anything ever goes wrong with this organization, Robert Kraft, it feels like to me, is the first one to point fingers at other members of the organization and not take blame himself. I go back to a couple of years ago with the Tom Brady decision when the Patriots decided they were moving on from Tom Brady because the reality of the situation is this. It wasn't just Bill Belichick that decided to move on from Tom Brady. It was Robert Kraft. So now, Robert Kraft, it feels like, all right, you got your quarterback, you spent all this money, and you feel like you're going to be ready to contend right now. He said the other day that this team is, his hope is they're contending this year. That's what Robert Kraft said the other day. He's putting the pressure on the coach. The owners out there are saying, I'm a Patriot fan first. We want to win. We want to contend this year. Year two for the, now he's putting pressure on the quarterback. Year two, big jump. We see it all the time in the NFL. So the owner is going out of his way to put pressure on the quarterback. He's putting pressure on the head coach. He's saying the guys they signed last year have to step up and play better, essentially. They're going to be in the system for a second year. So he goes out of his way to point in all these different directions. So if these guys aren't good next year, John U. Smith, Nelson Aguilar, who did not perform particularly well, although I do think there is something to what he's saying. I'll get into that in greater detail later. But if these guys don't perform, it's going to look bad on the coach, not the owner, right? Not even the players. It's going to look bad on Bill, right? Because essentially what Robert Kraft is saying, these guys can play well in the system. They just need to get used to it. Same thing with Mac Jones. He took on a lot last year, right? Coming in new to this, he took some pretty bad hits. That's what Robert Kraft's saying. He's going to be better next year. So if it doesn't go well, it's going to be because of Mac, and it's going to be because of the head coach and the football czar, if you will, in Bill Belichick. It's not going to be because of Robert Kraft whatsoever. So he does this thing all the time where he deflects blame on other people. And I bring up the Tom Brady situation because it's an interesting one in terms of Robert Kraft blaming other people. So first of all, let me just point this out. I hinted at this. I can't remember if it's sorry, I'm losing track of time. If it was last night or if it was last week. Think about this for a second. When the Patriots moved on from Tom, after the 2019 season, Tom was a free agent. Why was he a free agent? Oh, yeah, because the Patriots decided, okay, we're going to allow Tom not to be franchised. They worked that into his contract. Remember, in 2019, they gave Tom Brady a little bit of a pay bump. They gave him those fake years, those void years, and they gave him the power where he was not going to be franchised. He was going to go to the open market and go to wherever he wanted, right? Or go to the team that wanted him because he wanted to go to San Francisco. They didn't want him. But nonetheless, you get the point. Who do you really think gave Tom that power? You think that Bill Belichick, who he didn't have a plan in place. He had Jarrett Stidham. That was it. Do you think that Bill Belichick would have given Tom Brady that power? At the very least, Bill would have said, okay, if you don't want to play for me anymore, we're going to franchise you and we're going to trade you. 
he would have gotten at least something out of Tom Brady. You think Bill Belichick, the guy that is a shrewd negotiator, was cool with just being like, ah, yeah, you know what, Tom? Hey, it doesn't look like we're going to come to terms on a long-term contract extension. I don't want to give you a two-year deal. I want to keep going year by year. Ah, yeah, you know what? Never mind. We're not going to franchise you. We'll take that out of the contract. That makes no sense. No sense. For a guy that wanted Tom to continue to go to year by year, Bill was going to have the franchise tag at his disposal. Without a guy in place, he could have slapped a franchise tag on him. And if Tom didn't want to play, then he could have traded Tom Brady, right? And I know that would have been a bad look organizationally, et cetera. But when you get to the point where you're franchise tagging the greatest quarterback of all time, it was going to be a bad look anyway. But I still truly believe that that was Robert Kraft giving Tom Brady what he wanted, right? So he screwed Bill's ability in terms of the succession plan. And look, eventually they find Mac. Maybe it turns out that he ends up being a great quarterback for a decade or so or a decade and a half. That's our hope, right? But the point being is Robert Kraft undercut Bill Belichick. In my mind, this is my guess, that Bill Belichick was undercut by Robert Kraft then. Just like he's been undercut by Robert Kraft on multiple occasions going back. And look, ultimately it was the right decision to keep Tom and trade Jimmy, but he was undercut there. And now the owner is going out publicly and criticizing Bill Belichick's draft record. And from my perspective, and look, we can all be upset about the Nikhil Harry pick. We can all be upset about the Joan Williams pick, right? We can be upset about all these picks. But for the owner, the lack of gratitude for what Bill Belichick has done for this organization, for the owner of the team to be out publicly criticizing Bill Belichick's draft record, this is what I'd say. If you don't like his draft record, get rid of him. You're in charge of the team, okay? You're in charge of the organization, and you are out here criticizing his draft record. We'll do something about it then. Get rid of the coach. Get rid of the GM. If that's what you want to do, get rid of Bill Belichick. But don't cry out to the public. Talk about how you're a fan. Don't do that crap. It is irritating as all hell. Acting as if he's a victim. You're not a victim. You chose Bill over Tom, okay? And Tom went to Tampa, and Tom won a Super Bowl, and he could have won another one last year if it wasn't for all the injuries that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers suffered. You got to live with that. You chose Bill because you thought that was better for the long term. And now to come out and criticize the guy that you chose, I'm sorry. I'm not telling you that Bill Belichick doesn't deserve criticism for how things have gone over the past couple of years. He certainly does. I'm not saying that his drafts from 15 to 19 were good. I'm not denying that whatsoever. That clearly happened. Bill had bad drafts. Even me. I love Belichick, but I will admit, Bill Belichick had really bad drafts. But you don't go out there publicly and criticize your coach like that. If you're really that upset, do something about it. That's what I'd say. Have the balls to do something about it. That's what irritates me about this whole situation. Have the balls to do something about it. If you're going to come out here publicly and criticize the coach, we'll do something about it. Because it's unfair. It is unfair for what Bill Belichick has done to this organization. And this is another thing I'll point out about Robert Kraft. And this is where I feel like in the fan base, the blame is put on Bill more so than Robert Kraft. This is what pisses me off. Robert Kraft, the Patriots, total cash spending. Okay? Let's go through it over the past few years. Actually, I'll go back to 2011. How about that? 2011, the Patriots 17th in total cash spent. In 2012, 13th. In 2013, 24th. In 14, they were 13th. In 15, they were 25th. In 16, they won a Super Bowl in 16, right? Justin? Correct me if I'm wrong. They won the Super Bowl, right? They beat the Atlanta Falcons. You know what they were? In that total- they did. They were they were 29th in total cash spending. 
Oh, 17, they got up to fourth. Hey, Robert, you got into the top 10. In 18, they were 15th. 15th, okay, after going to fourth. And let's see, in 19, sorry, my Google Doc wasn't working. They were 21st. In 2020, 30th. 2021, 20th. They spent all that money, they were 20th. This year, as of right now, they're 27th in total cash spent. Okay, do you really think that's a Bill thing? Or do you think that's a Robert Kraft thing? That Bill all these years wasn't spending all that money. That they convinced Tom to take less so other players would take less. You think that is a Bill or a Tom thing or a Robert Kraft thing that he didn't want to spend the money? That Brady himself knew that there was a budget on this team. Not because of Bill, because of Robert. And it's funny to me because the Red Sox get criticized all the time for being cheap. But Robert Kraft, he never gets criticized for being cheap. That's what irritates me. How about this? Opening day, 2021, Red Sox. They were third in payroll. 2020, they were third in payroll. 2019, first. 2018, first. 2017, third. 2016, third. 2015, third. 2014, fourth. 2013, fourth. 2012, third. 2011, third. And yet, John Henry and the Red Sox ownership group gets criticized all the time for not spending. Oh, by the way, they went over the CBT threshold. They, they, they've gone over it. Robert Kraft, if you do like the average in terms of where they rank in total cash spending, by my math, that's 17th. They are 17th in total cash spending if you take the average of each year. And that's not even the total cash in terms of the totality. That's just average spot. Every year, they're 17th. <laughs> the Red Sox are in the top three basically every year. And now Robert Kraft goes out one offseason and he spends all this money because he's pissed off that his former quarterback won a Super Bowl. So he gives Bill the luxury to spend all this money. And now he's mad at the results. Now he's mad at the results of what happened last year. And now he's saying, oh, well, the guys we signed last year have got to be better. They didn't live up to expectations. The quarterback's going to be better in year two. The head coach, the executive of the team, Bill Belichick, he's going to continue to have good. He had a good draft last year. It makes up for the, it doesn't make up for the last four years. We need to have another good draft. Oh, okay. All right. So it's everybody else's fault, but Robert Kraft. And I feel like that is a continuous theme that somehow goes under the radar. Do you remember what happened when Tom Brady left? When Tom Brady sent out that message that he was leaving the New England Patriots, do you remember what happened? Oh yeah. Robert Kraft called up Stephen A. Smith on first take during his break. To say, uh, hey, uh, if Tom wanted to be here, he'd be here. Oh, oh really, Robert? Really? We're, we're just going to ignore the fact that you wouldn't give, or Bill, who you dis that decided to go with Bill, you guys wouldn't give a multi-year contract extension. You wouldn't give him the Drew Brees deal, the two years, 50 mil. So we're going to pretend that didn't happen. So none of that happened. We just imagine all that. It just Tom just decided to leave. Because he went to the negotiating table before the 2019 season. They gave him a fake contract. They gave him void years. This, after the year prior, remember, he had to hit all these incentives that Bill knew there's no chance he was going to hit him after 17 when Tom was the MVP. In 2018, after they were in a situation where they sent Brandon Cooks away. And look, they won the Super Bowl in 18. But you knew from a statistical perspective, based on where they were going, Tom was not going to reach those same thresholds. It was passer rating, touchdowns, et cetera. He's not going to reach that. So he gave him that in 18. And then 19, he gave him the void in the fake years. And so now you're telling us that, oh, if Tom wanted to be, yeah, if Tom wanted to be there on your terms, he would be there. But he didn't want to do it anymore. So he completely just misleads the public. He tries to mislead everybody by calling up Stephen A. Smith. Could anybody be more image conscious? Unbelievable to me. And now he's out here this week at the owner's meeting throwing shade at everybody else but himself. Unreal. I'm a Patriot fan. 
big time. Yeah, he's a fan. He's just this is what he's trying to do. He's just like you and me. He's just like us. He's just like us guys. Robert, Cra- there's nothing he can do. Tom, he wanted to leave. Hey, you know what? This coach, he's got to start drafting better. He's got to start drafting better. He's just like us. He's trying to appeal to you by telling you that the draft record has not been good. You think he doesn't know what's going on on Sports Talk Radio all the time when people just continuously bash Bill for his bad drafting? You don't think that you don't think he knows and that's getting back? He's playing the hits. He's playing to the fans by throwing the coach under the bus. And it's quite frankly to me, it's aggravating. It is unbecoming of an owner, and I don't understand why more people aren't aggravated. I feel like what's happening in the fan base is people are siding with Kraft because it feels, oh, he's a fan just like you and me. He's blaming the coach. We're mad about the drafts. He is too. Well, he could do something about it if he really cared, couldn't he? It, no, he just wants to make sure that the blame's not on him. All right, 617-779-7937 is the number. Brian Barrett with you up until midnight. Is Robert Kraft starting to annoy you? Or do you side with Robert Kraft? Do you think these comments that he's made this week, criticizing the head coach, criticizing the free agents, do you think he's right to make those comments? 617-779-7937 is the number. But there is one thing he said this week where I do think there is some truth in it. I'll get to that next here in EI. Fresh and Keith, weekdays 10 to 2. Now, here's what's trending on WEEI. All right, trending now on WEI and WEI.com. Sorry, I'm slightly distracted. I was watching the end of this Bucks nets game. Bucks win an OT 120-119. Kevin Durant missed a shot at the buzzer. So the Bucks go on, they win. Unfortunate for Kyrie. The Bees, meanwhile, they beat the Devils 8-1. Brad Marchand with a pair of goals. He's up to 30 on the year. Jake DeBrus also scored his 18th. The Bees will host the Blue Jackets Saturday. Tuka Rass was honored before the game tonight. He announced he's going to be taking a new role with the team as a brand ambassador working with corporate sponsors, whatever the hell that means. Meanwhile, ESPN's Adam Schefter was the first to report today. Bobby Wagner, he's signing a five-year, $50 million deal with the Rams, the contract worth up to $65 million. Oh, so they paid Bobby Wagner. Oh, okay. But I thought it was a salary cap issue with the Patriots. Fair enough. The Seas are losers of back-to-back games for the first time since January 21st after they fell to the Heat 106-98 on Wednesday. The Green will host the Pacers on Friday night. And how about the Sox? They beat the Twins 4-3. Rafael Devers went deep. He's up to five home runs this spring. He's hitting absolute bombs, by the way. Bobby Dahlback, he also left the yard. His third of the spring. The Sox are going to get the Rays tomorrow afternoon. You can catch that one on AM 850 on the Red Sox Network. 105 for his pitch. Brad Foe's ready to go. He'll be on the call. Hopefully he can get into the facility. Apparently he couldn't get into the facility today. He was late on Mud. He missed a segment with Mud. Hope that reflects in his paycheck. That's what's trending now on WEI and WEI.com. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. 
Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. You're listening to WEEI Late Night. On WEEI. WEEI. And streaming everywhere on the Odyssey app. All right, I will get into the Red Sox later on. I have one big prediction for the season. I'll get to that later on. But I do want to mention this before I get back to the Patriots and Robert Kraft in particular. I got to get this off my chest because I forgot last night. We've got to get away. And this is the national broadcast. This isn't the local broadcast. We have got to get away if we're ESPN or Turner from doing these interviews with the head coaches at the beginning of quarters. Now, first of all, those happen when the game is in commercial. And then they come back and they show us these interviews with whether it be last night, Ime Adoka or Eric Spolstra. And they have the coach in the corner of the TV, and they don't have the whole TV on the game. And you can't hear what's going on. So I don't understand why we need to put these coaching interviews in the corner of my television when, first of all, we get nothing out of them. Have we ever gotten anything out of those? (laughs) Oh, yeah, we got to play better. We got to shoot better. They shot the three well. That's what Spolster said. Yeah, they shot the three. Great. Okay, thanks, man. I, this is so informative. I'm so glad we talked to Eric Spolstra in between quarters. Give me a break. Get that crap off the TV. No more coaches interviews, okay? I've had enough of it. All right, but anyway, getting back to Robert Kraft for a second here. Do you have an issue with the owner and how, in my mind, he's throwing the head coach under the bus at every opportunity he gets? 617-779-7937. These comments from Robert Kraft, I believe they're ungrateful. And it's unbecoming of him to continuously blame Bill Belichick for everything. Now, one thing he did say that I want to get back to here, because I'm wondering if this could happen. He says, I hope that some of the free agents who we brought in who didn't perform as high as we would have liked last year, which, by the way, I mean, geez, the owner's just calling out the players. I hope that some of the free agents who we brought in who didn't perform as high as we would have liked last year will produce this year. That's incredible. That's like Steinbrenner-esque. Steinbrenner would call out players like that. Robert Kraft never did this in the past. He's on full tilt because of Brady. Brady's now back in the NFL. Robert Kraft's on full tilt. He thought he was clean of this. Okay, all right. Well, he got his Super Bowl. Now he's retired. Now we have time. We can build this thing back up. And now he's, he's calling out his players publicly. He called out the coach slash GM. Now he's calling out the players. They need to adjust to the system, and we're making changes to take advantage of what they do best. We have a lot of talent that hasn't been tapped into yet, in my opinion. Okay, so first of all, just a side note to this. When he says that we're making changes to take advantage of what they do best, what's that sound like to you? Sounds like, A, he's calling out the coaching staff, which would be Bill Belichick, but B... Is he calling out somebody that's not here anymore? Doesn't it kind of sound like he's calling out somebody that doesn't coach here anymore? Oh, Josh McDaniels. He's calling out Josh, right? Think about this. Who else is he talking about in terms of the free agents? Well, Matthew Judon had a really good season until he went MIA the final four games of the season. I don't know. It's COVID. Whatever the case may be, the guy went MIA. You can't deny it. But he's still really good for most of the season. Jalen Mills, I thought, was fine. I'm not telling you, like, Jalen Mills is the next Deion Sanders or something. Like, I, I, don't go crazy. But I, don't, I didn't understand the issue that people have with Jalen Mills. This He was fine. He was a fine player. He was a fine player. Like So it's not Jalen Mills. 
It's not Hunter Henry. He had a good year. It's Jonu Smith and Nelson Aguilar. So if Robert Kraft is saying we need the free agents to produce more and they're making changes to take advantage of what they do best, who is he throwing under the bus there? He's already thrown out the coach under the bus earlier this week when he said they got to draft better. Last year was a step in the right direction after the last four drafts. So he called out Bill earlier in the week. These comments today from Jeff Howe of The Athletic. Great job by Jeff Howe, by the way, getting this from Robert Kraft. Now he's calling out a former coach. So in one week, Bill has called out the head coach slash GM, who brought him six Super Bowls, and Josh McDaniels, who has been here multiple times after going to Denver, and he came back. So now he managed to call out somebody that's not even with the organization anymore. Unbelievable to me. But anyway, let's get to Johnny Smith and Nelson Aguilar for a second because maybe they can make better use out of these two players. So let's start with Johnny. So I was looking through this. Maybe there is something they can do better with Johnny Smith, right? There's got to be something. He can't be that bad. Is he really that bad? They gave him all this money. Can he really just suck that bad? Because his numbers, like, okay, yeah, the raw numbers, the volume, they weren't great in Tennessee. But some of the advanced metrics would tell you, okay, he's actually a pretty good player. Okay, so if you – and I'm talking about in Tennessee, not last year. But how about this, okay? So Jonu Smith, his final year in Tennessee was in 2020. And look, I know I'm grasping for straws. <laughs> I'm not telling you that next year Jonu Smith is going to turn into George Kittle or Darren Waller. <laughs> like, man, this guy really did suck. I mean, what the <laughs> – I am sorry. I'm not trying to laugh at the guy. But do you remember the New Orleans game? Oh, man. You remember that, Justin? When, when he kicked the ball in the air? Yeah, <laughs> Is that one? Yeah, pick, pick six. Johnny Smith with the assist. But anyway, and, it, and by the way, it's it's crazy how much faith that Bill Belichick lost in, uh, in Johnny Smith throughout the season. Because if you look at it in terms of the targets, like they really thought he was going to be a featured player. So if you go through it, Miami, five targets. Jets, five targets. New Orleans, his unbelievable game. By the way, New Orleans, he had a pick six. So he's a minus six, right? He gives up the interception. You know what his numbers were that game? Six targets, one catch for four yards. (laughs) Like, you can't make this up. He gave up six points the other way. He had six targets. He caught one pass for four yards. That's one of the worst games that you will ever see from a tight end in NFL history. He gave the other team, he gave Malcolm Jenkins, who just retired, by the way. He gave Malcolm Jenkins a pick six. He caught one ball on six targets for four yards. Like, you can't make up that stat line. It's got to be the worst game a tight end has ever played in NFL history. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to nominate that. The worst game ever by a tight end. Okay, Tampa Bay, five targets. Okay, so if you do the math on that, first five games, not do the math, if you just observe. First five games. Five targets, five targets, six targets, four targets, or five targets, excuse me, first four games. Five, five, six, five. Houston, two targets. Dallas, two targets. Okay, Jets, they start to try to get him more involved. Five targets. Two targets, two targets, two targets, four, one, three, one. You know how many times he was targeted against Miami? Zero. He did run the ball once, though. So after the first four weeks, Josh is like, yeah, screw it. Yeah, uh, Bill. We can't throw it to him. Guy sucks. We can't give him the football. But I do think there is something to it. Okay, so clearly we know he's not a good route runner. We all saw that. It did really feel like he was thinking when he was out there, right? But if you look at what he did in Tennessee and you sort of juxtapose that 
to what he did with the Patriots when he was, look, he didn't put up great numbers in Tennessee, but he was like part of their offense. So if you look at 2020, here's an interesting number. He was at 5.1 yards before a catch, okay, before a reception. Last year, that number was down to 2.2 yards before a catch, right? So in Tennessee, they schemed him up. With the Patriots, they they weren't really scheming up. He was like a featured player, which that wasn't his role in Tennessee. Okay, and then you look at another thing. So he came out of a Tennessee offense that was heavy play action. So if you look at in Tennessee in 2020 with Tannehill, Tannehill had 158 passing attempts out of play action. That was third in the NFL. So if you do the math on Tannehill's attempts that season, 32.8% of his attempts came out of play action. That's a heavy play action offense. The heaviest play, one of the heaviest play action offenses in the NFL. You look at the Patriots last year, Mac Jones, 104 attempts out of play action. That was 17th in the NFL. That was 19.9% of his passing attempts. So if you juxtapose Mac Jones to Ryan Tannehill, the last two quarterbacks that John o. Smith has played with, that's a 12.9% difference. And part of the reason that John o. Smith is at 5.1 yards before the catch in Tennessee is because of the play-action pass game, which the Patriots, and I still don't know why they didn't do this more. I, you heard me. I was preaching this all season long. More play-action for Mac Jones. They It was a 12.9% difference. So basically a 13% difference. So the reason that he had that 5.1 yards before a catch compared to last year at 2.2 is the play-action. So if you look at Mac, by the way, and this is just a side note to this whole conversation about Jonu Smith, Mac was really good out of play-action. 97.8 rating, and he completed 71.2% of his passes. So let's keep that in mind for a second. 97.8 rating in play action, 91.8 rating in non-play action passing attempts. So this is what I still can't understand. I can't grasp why they didn't dig into play action more. The other thing is this. Harris and Stevenson both average 4.6 yards per carry, and there has been numerous studies done on this that you don't have to have a good running game to incorporate play action. Like, think about it last year. Now, Austin Eckler's a great player for the Chargers, but Justin Herbert was in the top three in the NFL last season in attempts out of play action, and Austin Eckler is more of a receiving back than he is a runner of the football, so to speak, right? And they incorporated play action all the time. For some inexplicable reason, the Patriots didn't. Harris on the season, 21 targets. Stevenson on the season, 18 targets. So here's the thing. When Bolden's on the field, the opposition knew they were running. They knew they were throwing the football, rather. When Harris and Stevenson are on the field, they knew they're not throwing. They know that Harris and Stevenson are not threats in the passing game. So if that's the case, why don't at least use play action with those two guys on the field? I'll never understand that. But it, it doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. But that's the one thing I'll say. Like, if you're looking for something for... Robert Kraft saying they found a way to use them better next year because apparently he was throwing Josh under the bus. He's saying that Josh didn't know how to use John o. Smith last season. If you're looking for something, that would be it. Incorporate more play action into the offense. Don't ask John o. Smith to be a featured player, but if you scheme him up like Arthur Smith, who was then the offensive coordinator there in Tennessee before taking the head coaching job with the Atlanta Falcons, that's a way to use John o. Smith better. Now, maybe it doesn't work. Maybe he just isn't that great of a player. Maybe it was just – it was – because he had A.J. Brown, because they had Derrick Henry, because they had a good offensive line, they had a good play call in Arthur Smith. Maybe it just never works here. But I'm telling you, if there is a way to get John o. Smith going, it's to incorporate more play action. All right, well, the other guy is this. How about Nelson Aguilar? So Aguilar is another guy that 
And by the way, this one to me, I, I never understood why they did this. Like, this is the first signing. I was like, you're giving Aguilar that much? Why? We know what he is. He's a deep threat. Like, that, why, why are you overpaying for Nelson Aguilar? Like, you can go back to Nelson Aguilar. Like, I just never understood that to begin with, why they wanted Aguilar so bad. But nonetheless, so here's the thing about Aguilar. To Kraft's point about, well, they didn't use him correctly. So in 2020, Nelson Aguilar, 13.9 yards before reception. Last year in 2021, 9.6 yards before reception. So you're talking about almost a four-yard difference. How about yak per reception? 2024.8, 20, 2021.3.2. That's a big gap, right? So he's actually better after the catch last year. And he, or in 2020, rather. And he was getting down the field more. And then you look at, like we did with Johnu Smith, the yards before reception. 18.7 yards per reception or I should just say yards per reception, 18.7 yards per reception down to 12.8 last year. So the reason for that is because the targets were so much closer than they were last year. If you look at his targets per game, by the way, those are also down 4.3 compared to 5.1 in 2021. And by the way, Nelson Aguilar's separation, pretty much the same, 2.6 to 2.4. So he was pretty close when it comes to that. It was just a matter of they weren't pushing the football down the field to Aguilar like was happening with the Raiders, and they weren't targeting him nearly enough. So I look at Nelson Aguilar. Like, I look, the John U. Smith thing last year, like, you could watch John U. Smith play last year and say, holy crap, this guy does not look good. He looks uncomfortable. He's throwing the ball up to defensive backs. It, it looked bad, and he looked uncomfortable running routes. I never watched a Patriots game last year, and this is why I'm more optimistic about Aguilar than I am John U. Smith because I feel like John U. Smith, it's going to be on the offensive coordinator whoever the hell that is, we don't know, to be able to dial him up, to scheme him up. I just feel like with Nelson Aguilar, you got to throw him the football more. I just feel like they didn't use that threat nearly enough. It felt like what Aguilar was here to do is he was sort of like the three-point shooter that just stands in the corner. And he may not get a lot of shots, but he's, he's distracting you, right? Like, you've got to keep a defender on that three-point shooter. And that's what I felt like happened last year with Aguilar. It's just like, yeah, we'll have him clear out a defensive back. And a lot of times you would see a safety over the top of Aguilar. Like, that did happen. I'm not making that up. So I guess there is some value in that. But I just like the player to be targeted more. And I do feel like that's something next season that the Patriots could take more advantage of. And the other thing I'll say is this, just briefly on last year, one of the things that sticks out to me is if you look at Mac Jones on second down and the down and distance being between one and three yards, right? So think about that. Second down, down and distance is one to three yards. That means right there, you can take shots, right? Because, all right, well, if it's third and two, or if it's even third and three, definitely if it's third and one, you're going to pick up that first down no matter what. So on second down, with the down and distance being one to three yards, that's when you should be taking a shot, right? So Mac Jones, in those situations last year, you know how many attempts he made? 14 passing attempts. And by the way, 108.6 rating for what it's worth on the 14 attempts. I mean, it's not, a, it's not a big sample size. But the point being, he only threw the ball 14 times in those situations. That's when you should be taking your shots. If you look at, and I'm not comparing the players, I'm just pointing it out. Mahomes, second down, one to three yards to go, 34 attempts. Derek Carr, 30. Justin Herbert, 27. So here's the thing. This, the Patriots last year, I almost said the Celtics, the Patriots last year, they were not a big play offense, right? I mean, I think we can all agree on that. I feel like they should have thrown the ball more to Aguilar, but they were not a big play offense. 
So when you have these situations, when it's second down and one to three yards to go, that's when you should be taking the shots, and they didn't last year. Okay, and here's the other thing. You look at those situations. Second down, one to three yards to go. Mac, 14 attempts. Damian Harris, 23 attempts. Ramondre Stevenson had 12 carries in those situations. So if you do the math on that, that's 35 carries between those two guys. It's 157 yards. So that's 4.48 yards per carry, okay? If you just do the math, 35, 157, it's 4.48 yards per carry. So here's my question. They're averaging 4.48 yards per carry. So couldn't you just do that on third down? Why wouldn't you take the shot with Mac on second down? And if he doesn't, if it's an incomplete pass, well, you know what you do on third down? Run and pick up the first down. I just don't understand it. These are the small things. These are the margins where if you have a young quarterback like Mac Jones, and we all agree the weapons were not particularly great last year, and this was not a big strike, a quick strike offense, when you get yourself in these advantageous, advantageous situations, that's tough to say, advantageous situations, very tough to say, but when you're there and it's second down and one to three yards to go, that's when you need to be taking shots, right? That's when you need to do it. You can always come back to the run game on third down. You can get those 4.48 yards on third down instead of second down. What does that get you? That's It's not even really something that is going to add to your drive. Okay, yeah, you pick up a first down. Okay, well, you could also pick up, I don't know, 15 to 20 yards on a pass. You know this whole play-action concept? Why don't you incorporate that on the second, first, and first, second down with one to three yards to go? That's when you should be doing play-action. I mean, play-action and throw the ball on second and short. I don't understand why Mac Jones last year had 14 total attempts on second and short. Makes absolutely zero sense to me whatsoever. All right, 617-779-7937 is a number. Brian Barrett with you up until midnight. So if you want to weigh in on this, uh, first of all, the question of the night, are you getting aggravated with the owner? That it feels like Robert Kraft is throwing Bill Belichick under the bus. And quite frankly, I believe he took a shot at Josh McDaniels this week as well. Is this act getting old? Because I feel like most of the fan base is siding with Kraft in this. And I feel like what Robert Kraft has done to Bill Belichick this week is quite frankly ungrateful it's disrespectful the guy brought him six championships it wasn't just tom bill was part of those (laughs) championships as well and this is what he's doing uh it's ridiculous to me and also do you have hope that based on the second year in the system for mac jones that he can take take a leap uh take a leap rather i don't know he can take a leak i'm sure but can he take a leap that's the bigger question we're asking here and i will give you in just a little bit my big Red Sox prediction. We'll do that in a little bit here on EEI. W-E-E-I. This is WEEI Late Night, streaming everywhere on the Odyssey app. Oh, man, I'm sore tonight, man. I did. I usually do the treadmill, but my I get tendonitis in one of my knees. But I got to do, car, do cardio every day. I got to do my cardio every day. I usually run on the treadmill, but today I did the Stairmaster. I got to tell you, man. Stairmaster is no joke. My brother does it all the time. I was at like, what's the speed? What do you do it at? And he's telling me, I, I don't believe him. He told me he does 13. <laughs> I'm like, dude, there's no way you do 13 on the, on the Stairmaster for 45 minutes. But anyway, it was on there for 45 minutes. I started at 10. I go up to 11. I go up to 12. That is a workout, man. I started sweating like crazy as that thing went on. Now, I usually sweat like crazy on the treadmill. But, man, different type of workout. I am sore. Using muscles, engaging muscles that I'm ordinarily not used to doing. I may do it again tomorrow. Who knows? Depends on how my knee feels. I'd like to get back to the treadmill. But I do recommend the Stairmaster. I was very hesitant about it. I'm not a great 
guy with heights. I don't love heights, so I was a little scared. Like, you know, you go up. Or what if you fall down? Not that you're that high, but you get the point. But, man, it was a good workout. 617-779-7937, the number. Brian Barrett with you up until midnight. So, do you agree with me? Is the owner of the team unfairly throwing the coach under the bus and throwing Josh McDaniels under the bus? And how does Mac, based on where this roster is at right now, take a leap? See, I said it right this time. A leap in year two. Let's get to the first ever winner of the Brian Barrett caller battle. Paulie on the couch, who did beat David in the car a couple of weeks ago. Paulie, what's up, man? I was told by a uh, uh, fellow in Denham. He said he heard the uh, the bump, Brian. He said it was a first round TKO. <laughs> I said, yeah. I said, yeah. I said, to him, I said, yeah, Brad. He's a mailman in Denham. I said, yeah. I said he was backpedaling coming. It was as soon as the bell rang, and I just licked my chops and moved in for the kill. Hey, Paul, anyway, what happened? To, what happened to that? What was that big? Uh, is a big sports bar in Dedham that got? What happened to that? A couple like weeks ago, I got like closed down or something. I don't know what part. I don't know. I never. Yeah, heard I'll get about a text. It. My I'll ask my brother. I'm always the last one to hear about every time. You? I thought you were a political <laughs> operative. Well, I am. <laughs> yeah, I am. I am. You know, I, I did. You know, I I told my in the, the, this war in the Ukraine. I I, I dialed up oh, one of my people. I contacted one of my people. I said, the week before the Olympics, the early of the last week, it was like a Tuesday of the last week of the Olympics. I said, Putin's gonna gonna attack. He's he's coming next week. I said to him, I said he's gonna wait till um, the uh, the Olympics are over and his athletes arrive safely home. I said, so you got, we got to get, you got to call Nate, get a uh, Nate call, a quick vote for NATO uh, to include the Ukraine. I said, and uh, include them and get out, tell our Joes to get the let out, get up to the front and proclaim to the entire world that we are here to defend the Ukraine, not attack Russia in a militarily conventional style in a minute, in manner, you know, and, uh, and then say, you know, by the way, Vladdy boy, we want you in NATO too. You're European, just like us. That's that was my strategy. Okay, it might look some of the things. Believe it or not, Brian, sometimes reach it to the top. Okay, I'm that good. All right, so let, let me let me. I want to start. Let's, let's talk sports now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> I said, uh, yeah, and when it was oh, going, I said, if they listen to me, they could have. This the whole thing could have been averted. There's no way he would have stepped across that border. The entirety of NATO stand there saying. Let's go, mano a mano. You want to go? If you want to pull, and daring him to, you know, to to either do that or he wouldn't have pulled the nuclear trigger because you tell him, look, that's fine if you want to do that too, but we're not backing down. Isolationism never works. That's also one thing I added. Hey, Paulie, by the way, I think, I think this place is called Victory. Hey, you want to pull no, hold on, Paulie, hold on, Paulie. All right, all right, all right. All right. Hey, 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 Paulie. get all of you. Hold on, hold on, Paulie. First of all, I think this bar I was telling you about is called Victory. You remember that place? Yeah. In Dedham? Uh, yeah. Did it get yeah, closed down? Hands. Oh. Yeah, they, uh, yeah, there used to be uh, uh, Vinny Testas. Oh, Long my brother used to go to that place. Yeah, my brother works yeah, I mean, in that area. Yeah. Right. Does he, you know Billy Carmine, the old bartender of Vinny Testas? No, I don't know him. My brother goes there. Uh, I'll okay, ask well, him. What's his name? Anyway, any, anyway, all right. Quick on two. First, Brian, last night I'm talking about Ray Bunk, the sacred, uh, Harry Sinn, and something's sacred, and and, uh, and him not 
you know, willing to trade Ray Buck, like I said, just just trade Ray Buck, start rebuilding the team. He's only on his last couple of years, and Ray Buck, and, and Harry said something, uh, something to sacred. And you made a remark when I got off the phone about, well, no, we traded him to to uh, the Avalanche. Well, the, Av- the the Colorado Avalanche had the best team in the league that year. It was on Ray Buck say so. Harry asked him, and he gave him to him basically for next to nothing. He went because he, he knew that was his best chance to win a cup. You know, Patrick Waugh was the was the uh, backstop of that team, and it was yeah, like yeah, it was the uh, serve Ray Bork. Um, Jason Glazer did not serve Tom Brady's interests. Tom Brady wanted to go home to San ah. Fran, and he entrapped him. Okay, now now some Aguilar. They didn't get the ball to Aguilar for two reasons. Number oh. one, they signed Aguilar, Brian. Because he was the number one, and you know the Patriots are always looking for value. They wanted thirteen million for a good number one. That's good value. Guys are getting paid in the high teens, you know, to the low twenties for if the, the number one uh, receivers in the league. That's number one why they signed him. Why they couldn't get him the ball is first they wanted Mac Jones that you know they build him. They wanted him to get the ball out of his hands to the open guy quickly, which doesn't mean down the field. Okay, mm-hmm. they wanted him to get used to the offense, work him in. Okay. So hold on, so Paulie. Hold one on. Reason. One but question. I, no, I got one question for you. They couldn't. They hadn't. Didn't have the blocking up front. As you recall, we have a big problems by both tackles. They were rotating the right tackle uh, between a couple of guys, and Isaiah Wynn was like a turnstile. You could. He couldn't hold the ball back there as a rookie, running around trying to <laughs> uh, buy time, trying to find Aguilar down the field. It wasn't going to work. Okay, Pauly, hold on. Pauly, Pauly, hold on. Before I let you go, I got to let you go soon. So I got to ask you this. Before I let you go, in 30 seconds or less, will Aguilar have a big 2022? Well, I, you know, he can go you can, inside or outside. You can, he, he, can work, he can play slot, too. He's not afraid to Pauly, go Pauly, yes middle. or no? He's very fast. I would, Brian, and I'll end it with this. I would get that franchise left tackle. You get Trent Brown. I'd kick win and a when you inside, I get the franchise left tackle and get the best slotty I can find in the second round. Right, and that will give him time to it where he can get the ball down the field to Aguilar. Or, you know, he can get the ball out of San so that the, the, that's good slot receiving other guys like Myers and Bourne that can get open and be more likely to be able to get the ball down the field to Bourne if you're blocking for him. I mean, uh, Aguilar, if you're blocking for the bat. All right, hey, Paul, we got to let you go. I appreciate it, man. Good stuff as always. I'll take that as undecided. He's undecided on. It depends on the left tackle. Paulie likes you, though, Justin. He's not a fan of one of the – I know one of the producers that works here. He's not happy about him last night. Wasn't picking up his calls. I know. He, he, not he the mentioned late that night. he likes not, me. Not Ethan. He, somebody else he was mad at. He not mentioned when I answered the phone that he liked me. I yeah. appreciate I love the Paul. He's the man. All right, 617-779. 7937 is the number. Brian Barrett with you up until midnight. All right, so coming up now, if you do want to weigh in on this, is Robert Kraft being unfair to Bill Belichick? That's on the table at 617-779-7937. That's on the table all night long. I'll get to the Celtics in a little bit, but I have proof that Doc Rivers is in playoff form right now. We'll get into that. Plus, coming up next, I'm going to give you my big Red Sox take right here on EA. The Red Sox Station. W-E-E-I. New England Sports Original. Original. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. 
plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.